Listen, you smell something? Human emotions are materializing in the form of a viscous psychoreactive plasm with explosive supernormal potential. What a discovery, a psychoreactive substance. Do you know what this equipment is used for? Boggle or Super Mario Brothers? We'll have fun! Yeah! Yes, you're doing it. Really quite good work there. My friend, don't be a jerk. We've got no choice. Call the Ghostbusters. Super Jackpot! Welcome to Extraplasm Podcasts. It's the only podcast on the internet that spent its 4th of July celebrating the long-held American traditions of making pizza from scratch while drinking Moscow mules and watching Ghostbusters 2's Lady Liberty scenes on YouTube instead of trekking to a fireworks show. I'm your host, Jim Maritato, aka Vink Maniac from the internet, and I'm excited to be back with you after a week off for the holiday. I hope that you had a happy and safe 4th of July if you're here in the U.S., and if you're not, well, I hope you're also happy and safe, and I hereby declare you eligible for celebrating something so you're not feeling left out. Um, but this week, I'm really stoked to be back and to have the opportunity to chat with Phil Kessel, uh, who some of you may know not as the guy from the Kessel Run, uh, but as Ghost Beacon on Instagram and YouTube. Phil does an amazing job of covering live Ghostbusters events and recently filmed a 40-plus minute mini-documentary-style video that conveys the magnitude and excitement of the Ghostbusters Day charity event that took place a few weeks ago at Hook and Ladder 8 in NYC. But he's also been an attendee at FanFest, at EctoFest, and is among one of the very few people to manage to catch a glimpse of the interior of the LA Firehouse within the lens of a video camera. And if you listen to this podcast... You know that's a bit of a personal bucket list item for me, Um, so it was really great to get to know Phil one-on-one after several years of commenting on one another's content on the web, um, is that a thing we even say, in apps on social media, Uh, and, you know, chatting in DMs, but I was thrilled to really be able to chat with him, you know, sort of get to know him a bit, sort of voice-to-voice, eye-to-eye, via webcam-to-webcam, however you want to describe it, and I'm thrilled to bring that conversation to you this week. But before we chat with Phil, we need to get caught up on some headlines in the last few weeks. So let's go now to Ghostbusters headlines. Still making headlines all across the country, the Ghostbusters are at it again. Today, the entire eastern seaboard is alive with talk of incidents of paranormal activity. Fall in topic today, ghosts and ghostbusting. Extra plasm, read all about it. Ghostbusters headlines coming at you. First up in headlines... Let's check in on the forthcoming Ghostbusters film, which we're still referring to as Firehouse for the time being. Before the 4th of July holiday, we had found out that filming had wrapped and that post-production and audio mixing was likely underway. In our time away, Ernie Hudson has been making his rounds with entertainment media to discuss his new film Prisoner's Daughter and has more or less confirmed those facts. Uh, He first had an interview with Josh Wilding of ComicBookMovie.com. Uh, where he discussed the fact that he was really excited about the direction of the movie and Winston's involvement in it. And while I think you should go and, you know, watch this video that you can look at where Josh Wilding interviews him for like, I don't know, 15 minutes, um, I would would say to you that one of the key things he says here that is repeated in a, a subsequent interview with Screen Rant is that there he viewed there being a problem with the first two Ghostbusters movies and that Winston was present, but that he didn't really have a place in the narrative. So essentially he kind of comes into the movie and then he's Jesus there. He just doesn't really have a reason to be there. And if you really think about it, even in the first movie, like he doesn't say this in the interview, but you know, why is Winston there? Cause if there's a steady paycheck in it, he'll believe anything you say. So um, in this case, what Ernie Hudson suggests is that he's really 
excited about the fact that Winston has a reason to be there, and he suggests that Winston, having his big corporation and the money to fund some things, really gives him a purpose and a place to be, quote-unquote. Um, he additionally said that he loves playing a part of the story where I can help move things forward. Whenever you're not writing stuff, it's always bringing to life someone else's vision, which is not always yours, but you make it work, and I'm very happy to be part of that franchise. I love it. I think the fans will like the new ones as well. There's a lot going on, and I was really happy to see Bill not just back in it, but to be really enthusiastic about it. And Danny and Annie. It was fun. We finished it up, and we'll wait to see what it all comes together and looks like. And obviously, we're all waiting to see what it all comes together and look like. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think what's interesting here is this little piece that he says where that it's always bringing to life someone else's vision, which is not always yours. Um, and, you know, in some ways, it, in the past, Ghostbusters was someone else's vision that wasn't necessarily his. He was there and not necessarily, uh, you know, part of designing the narrative of the reason why Winston was present. Um, but what's kind of fascinating to me is that he get, gets into a longer discussion of this with Grant Hermans of Screen Rant about a week later. Um, and Hermans suggests to Ernie Hudson that he was excited to see Winston back in a much bigger role than in the first two movies during Afterlife. And he asks him, now that Winston is getting a bigger role with this and with Ghostbusters Afterlife sequel, how does it feel to see that sort of come full circle? In response, Hudson commented that it was because of fans who have always been really encouraging and supportive that he came full circle and suggested that the studio has always been his biggest complaint though he commented directly and said, quote, a lot of people misinterpreted to say that I think the studio did something they shouldn't have done. No, studios do what they do. It's not just me personally. That's how they operate and what they feel is necessary. He went on to say that he feels that Winston's place uh, is now given purpose. And so he suggests that he's now the quote unquote, the guy who has the money to keep this thing going and further comments that in earlier movies, you established the friendship between the three guys, they've already established a business, and but that Winston definitely has a place now. He com further comments that he, how much of a place in all of that is going to be decided by other people, quote-unquote. Um, but he goes on to say that as we introduce new stories and new characters, that's what moves the whole thing forward, but we're still a part of it. So it was great to see Bill Murray and Danny Aykroyd and Potts, and it's great to see them there and really just enjoying it and enthusiastic about being there. It's different. It's not necessarily the direction I would go in, but I just love being part of it, and I think the fans will like this new direction, but we'll see. So that to me is kind of fascinating. There's two interviews there where one, he kind of says... Um, that, you know, you don't always make your vision, you make the vision that someone else is uh, writing. And then and sort of in the back end of the comments of, you know, the feedback here to Screen Rant, he says, you know, um, that there's a new direction here and that he's, you know, not necessarily the direction that he would have gone in and writing a film, but he still loves being a part of it and thinks the fans will love it too. So, um, you know, I, to me, that's an interesting uh, onion to sort of unwrap. Like I would love to talk to Ernie Hudson after this movie comes out to go, okay, so what was it that you didn't think uh, was congruent necessarily with how you would have done things and what would you have done? But you know, until we get there, uh, who knows what he means? Uh, but he goes on to sort of say in this screen rant in interview, 
um, that the movie is done. It's wrapped. And then he goes on to say, obviously, they're editing and doing whatever else. I've heard rumors the end of the year they'll push for or maybe spring next year. I never know how the studios are going to do whatever they do, but the filming is done, which was a little bit difficult with the writer's strike and everything going on. So I know there was a lot of shuffling around in terms of where it was being done, but I'm thankful that we at least got it done in the can. And now I'm like everybody else waiting to see what it all looks like. Uh, So, I mean, if you needed any further confirmation other than, you know, um, the Instagram stories of people who were making the movie that the movie was wrapped, um, you've now got it from Ernie Hudson saying the movie's wrapped, that he's excited about it, that he's excited, you know, twice talking about the enthusiasm of his cast member, castmates, and particularly Bill Murray. um, And, you know, sort of the idea that he's, you know, looking at this as there's a different direction that the franchise may be going in, but it's also one that is inclusive of his character and that gives his character purpose. And I think that that's, you know, so valuable because it means he's coming to give a performance that is not just a performance to advance a story that his character doesn't have anything to do with, but that keeps him involved. And I mean, I mean to say this not to be like, I'm, you know, going to compare myself to Ernie Hudson, but I've been saying in the last few weeks of Extraplasm and recently on an episode of Yes Have Somewhere, I was a guest, um, that uh, that part of what I love about this franchise at this point is that in my middle age, I still get to feel like I'm a part of this story. Um, you know, not that I'm actually in it, but that I get to feel like I'm still connected to it and I'm still connected to this narrative and it didn't just pick itself up and move on without me. So, um, you know, if Ernie Hudson is feeling a little bit of that, so am I, and I love it. <laughs> so I'm really excited to see this next movie when it comes out. And of course, uh, you know, just like Ernie Hudson is waiting to see what it all looks like, so are we. In merchandise and collectible news, let's talk a bit about um, the prop store entertainment memorabilia auction that happened in Los Angeles on June 30th. Uh, there were a whole bunch of different props that went up for auction from tons of different movies. Uh, I was lucky enough to be able to go to a VIP event and see some of these props on display at the Peterson Museum, including many of the Ghostbusters props that were up and available. You can go to Ghostbusters News for an excellent write-up on this that will show you like in full details the photos and all of the like list items of what was sold and for how much. But I sort of thought, you know, it was worth kind of mentioning that this was a a very amazing like set of props that I hope uh, end up some of them, you know, they belong in a museum. (laughs) So I hope some of them end up in a museum as opposed to just back in private collection where they'll never be seen again, because having seen some of this stuff in person uh, at the prop store VIP preview, it, it, was mind blowing to be like literally inches away from the uh, terror dog head that had an eye extracted from it so they could put it inside of a uh, (laughs) concrete statue and then have it blink uh, and glow for us. So we would get our introduction to Zool. Right. And and that's crazy to me. Still, they sculpted the entire terror dog head and then took one eye out of it and you could buy the two of them together um, (laughs) put on display. There was a stay puffed head that was there um, that, you know, was, here you go. Here's a Stay Puft sculpt that's you know made of rubber. That where will we ever see that again? And so many of these things came out of uh, Stuart Ziff's collection, who you know worked in the ghost shop, uh, developing many of the creatures that we saw. So there were so many cool things uh, that we that were on on display there. Um, you know, it's crazy to think about this, but like Billy Brian's red Stay Puff tie was what was in this auction. So uh, you know. At the Ghostbusters classic level, some of the amazing things that sold in this auction 
uh, were things like the Terror Dog Head, which was the big ticket item selling at over $40,000. Billy Bryan's screen worn red tie, which, you know, at some points in the film is actually not worn correctly by mistake, um, sold for $22,500. There were a whole bunch of maquettes from uh, Ghostbusters 2, from uh, the Scolari Brothers and Slimer. There were concept pieces and, you know, concept art. The demonic arms from Dana Barrett's chair um, (laughs) were available, and I think they sold for $10,000. So, like, there was so much cool stuff from the original picture that sold in this auction that I hope we will get to see again because it goes on display, like, curated somewhere uh, for the public. Like, I, I I hope that the Academy Museum, which is across the street from the Peterson, managed to pick up some of these things because there is no Ghostbusters stuff in the Academy Museum right now. Uh, but beyond the stuff from the original movie, there was also, I mean, a huge array of props from and costumes from the and from answer the call. So there were several hero proton packs that were on display at the VIP event, uh, ghost chippers, PKE meters. I mean, just anything that was in that movie that was wielded as a weapon was probably there. Um, <laughs> and beyond what was available on display, there was more stuff like there was costumes and things that they didn't display at the event. Uh, I think that they had like Kevin's motorcycle helmet was just like the most random thing to me. Um, and you know, again, those were like the, the, the uh, proton packs sold for like 15,000, $12,000, uh, you know, depending upon which variant they were, which version. And that was the other thing that was wild to me. was that throughout that movie, you see the proton packs change because Holtzman is in the process of developing and refining them. Whereas in 84 movie, like you see a proton pack and it doesn't change those proton packs and those different props were kind of like uh, changing from scene to scene as a result of the narrative of like tinkering. And so it was kind of fascinating to see how many different versions of those packs existed that were like, you know, hero packs. They were on display. They were worn and utilized and seen up close. So um, if you didn't get a chance to check this out before the thing sold, you can still check out the uh, catalog of items over at Prop Store's website, uh, and you can look at really super, super high detailed photos. The final thing I'll say that I wish I could have bought in this auction has nothing to do with Ghostbusters. I, I, I didn't even know it was in there. They had the Schwartz. I, I saw Spaceball 1 at the VIP preview, and I was shocked. I had no idea that the Spaceball 1 miniature was in this auction, and when, so when I saw it up close, I, I like was nearly floored. Uh, it was missing its We Break for Nobody bumper sticker, which is unfortunate. Uh, but the Schwartz, like literally the, the Schwartz ring. Um, I mean, of course, you can forget the ring. It was found at the bottom of a Cracker Jack box, but the Schwartz ring from Spaceballs sold in the auction for some insane amount of money that was something like, I don't know, thirty, forty thousand dollars uh, way above what anybody's estimate was. And I believe it because, you know, the, the Schwartz is is it's the Schwartz. How could you not want to own the Schwartz in much more affordable uh, merchandise collectibles news? <laughs> let's talk a bit about uh, destructors and flat tops for a few minutes. If you've been lacking a five-inch scale deity that would otherwise threaten to destroy your Kenner Ghostbusters firehouse or terrorize your 2021 Fright Features figures, you currently have more options to fulfill your desires than you might have ever had before, or that you might expect. But of course, none of those options are actually officially licensed, so keep that in mind. (laughs) First up and available for pre-order now is the Destructor figure 
with gargoyle ghost minifigure from Phantasm Toys. Uh, if you haven't seen this thing, it looks freaking amazing, and you can bet I will be plunking down $80 for it. Tony Taylor and Brendan Pierce have created a figure that fits so well alongside the Kenner line from the 80s and 90s that it will make you wonder why Kenner never did this themselves. The figure is available for pre-order on PhantasmToys.com right now, and it comes on a resealable card. I'm not kidding you. Um, I actually had to like ask Tony this in DMs and really ask him to confirm it for me. But Tony and Brendan are total wizards who have figured out some way to create an action figure card back and bubble that is removable and resealable. So if you're a mint and box collector or a loose collector, it doesn't matter. Your needs are totally met and can be remet on a whim. Um, you can open the figure. You can put it back inside of its box and its clamshell, uh, which to me is just freaking amazing and fascinating. And it's something I hope we're going to see uh, from uh, continued as the class 10 line uh, that they have been producing with all these amazing figures like back to you know, like the slime ball figure they did. I hope to, that we're going to continue to see amazing packaging designs like this because like nobody's doing this and everybody should uh, like I, I don't know why I have to still buy two of things if I want to have one to open and uh, you know one to keep on card and except for the fact that it's beneficial to selling toys if you're Hasbro or somebody but not if you're Phantasm Toys because you're awesome so um, head over to PhantasmToys.com now because this is like literally one of the coolest things that they've ever made and I can't imagine that they're not going to sell all of them because it's like a mind-blowing figure and a great villain to go alongside the uh, real Ghostbusters figure or the Fright Features figures that, I mean, frankly, like, you know, it's cool to have Granny Gross, but wouldn't you want to have something that was kind of analogous and based upon the primary villain of a movie? I, I would. But wait, there's more. Um, If you're not satisfied with being able to go to PhantasmToys.com and get yourself a Destructor, then Plastic Geek. Is providing your alternative demigod experience for five inch action figures with their flat top figure. Uh, the figure was sculpted, I believe, by the Glowing Ghost and differs from Phantasms in that it's got light pipes in the uh, head that create a glowing eye effect. Or, in other words, if you place a light source above it, the light will radiate out of the figure's eyes. So, this isn't like you put batteries in it and push a button and it glows, but it is like if you put a bright light above it or, you know, like shine your flashlight from your cell phone over the top of the figure, you'll be able to see glowing eyes. It has four points of removable peg articulation and removable limbs, and the figure is available now at plasticgeek.bigcartel.com for $65. It arrives in a bag with a header card, so no resealable card back here, but um, I will say this. This is a really small batch run of these. At recording time, there were less than eight of these remaining. And while Plastic Geek has said they're going to be doing several small runs of this figure and you shouldn't worry if you don't, you know, if you miss out on the first run, if you're interested in being among the first people to get your hands on this, you are going to want to act fast. As in, like, probably put the podcast on pause right now, go to um, PlasticGeek.BigCartel.com and enter in your PayPal information and buy stuff and then come back and hit play again. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm just saying, if this is something you want and you want to be among the people who have it first, act now, don't wait. And because there's no shortage of independent toy makers helping uh, scratch your paranormal itch, TCU Toys opened their pre-order for their Ray Stance figure while we were away for the 4th of July holiday. Uh, as you may recall, this is the fourth figure in their unlicensed fan-created three, uh, three and three-quarter inch Ghostbusters lineup. Um, I have talked about these quite a bit. I have a set of the prototypes that are amazing. They have magnets that hold them together. 
that you can use to sort of swap parts around. And I'm hoping, uh, you know, I, I keep saying like, hey, guys, you should do a total like a set of alternate heads um, that I can then swap on and off. That would be amazing. Uh, but if you want to order Ray or if you want to order a complete set of individually uh, you know, or a complete set of figures, rather, uh, you can do that by contacting TCU underscore toys via DM on Instagram. Uh, so you can reach out to Tom, as you know, from the, if you're a fan of the podcast and listen for a while, Tom Henry has been on the show several times and talked about these figures uh, way back when he first came on the show before they were even a real thing that you could buy. Um, but more recently he was on the show with Matt Sanders. Um, he's been an amazing guest and continues to churn out amazing stuff. So go ahead and take a look at that if you haven't already. With our discussion of toys out of the way, let's talk for a few minutes about apparel and replica props. Magnoli Clothiers, who you may already know for their amazing custom fit flight suits, paranormal boots, and Spangler glasses, glasses replicas, are now selling a replica of Venkman's orange hunting shirt from the scene in Ghostbusters where Peter meets up with Dana and the stiff after her rehearsal. Um, that shirt is something that I believe was like um, a Land's End shirt or something. I don't know. I, I'm totally getting that wrong. I'm sure it's like Land's End or LL Bean or something. Um, I'm sure that Chris Stewart knows the answer to this because he talked about it at some point and I'm trying to paraphrase him and failing miserably. So, um, you know, don't try to be your heroes, everybody. <laughs> but the, the shirt um, is one that's been essentially just missing from the universe since it came out uh, and was seen on screen. It's like one of those shirts that people try to find and they try to track it down, knowing exactly who manufactured it. But no one has seen one in years because it was made probably in like 1981. And, you know, now we're in 2023. So, um here's the deal. Magnolia does an amazing job of making replica stuff. That's what they do. And so they replicated the shirt. You can buy it for $95. It's available from magnoliaclothiers.com. You can wear it. It has the orange color and the, uh, you know, the patches on the elbows. Uh, they describe it as a hunting shirt, which I think is interesting. I don't know if that's what it was originally designed as, but I'm not going to argue with them. It's definitely hunting orange. <laughs> so, um, if you want to be able to complete your Vankman uh, wardrobe. If you need things to go alongside your um, laundry that has several different grades of cleanliness, um, feel free to go check that out at magnoliclothiers.com. In additional replica prop news, although some people may be really offended by the use of that phrase to discuss what I'm about to talk about, Spirit Halloween is restocked on proton packs. And personally, I love a Spirit proton pack. So if you if you have a problem with them, you know calm down. <laughs> but like for real, if I'm not mistaken, this might be the first time that they've had both the older 80% size proton pack and the new life-size proton pack in stock at the same time. Ghostbusters news was the first to notice the restocks a couple days ago. Um, I imagine we're going to see a buildup of inventory in the next like few weeks, maybe over the next month as we approach Halloween. But if you're currently without a proton pack, know that the life-size proton pack is quickly becoming a hot commodity. Um, you know, there are no more HasLab packs coming. So the reality is that if you're looking for something analogous to it, the life-size proton pack is the like best value option you have. It's certainly way cheaper than the, uh, Halloweencostumes.com option that's coming at the end of this month. Uh, and if any, if history is any indicator, proton packs will start to sell out as Halloween approaches. Like that's generally what happens is that we get closer to Halloween and people who are not necessarily huge Ghostbusters fans 
decide, hey, maybe I'll be a Ghostbuster for Halloween this year. And then they put the Proton Pack on like eBay or Goodwill, um, you know, <laughs> or donated like um, six months later because they're like, why do I own this? And then we buy that and customize it and get excited. But you, you're not there yet. Right now, if you need a Proton Pack and you want it before Halloween, you should probably get it now um, because it probably will disappear by the time you get there. So um, my advice, just, just like I'm saying, based off of personal experience, act sooner than later if you're looking to pick up a Proton Pack before the season of evil arrives. And to wrap up headlines, let's take a moment to acknowledge the Suncoast Ghostbusters for a minute. Uh, Ghostbusters News has the story this week on the work that they did at Johns Hopkins All Children's Hospital in St. Petersburg, Florida. Uh, Florida? Florida. That's how we say that state. Sorry, everybody. I've like, Look, I'm throwing praise on a franchise and then butchering the place they live. Um, the Suncoast Ghostbusters were out at Johns Hopkins All Children's Hospital delivering gowns for Starlight Foundation, and their visit was super rewarding for the kids there because they received not only a visit from the Ghostbusters, but of course, gowns that let them dress up as Ghostbusters. And the um, Suncoast Ghostbusters even brought along Tubby Soft Squeeze because they had a member in an amazing Stay Puft mascot suit that I want to buy and wear to the supermarket, so if y'all are out there listening, tell me where you got that thing. Um, because it's kind of awesome. Uh, but to be in all seriousness, this is really cool to see. Like the idea that, you know, franchises around the country worked to try to raise money for Starlight to get those gowns created. Uh, you've all heard about how the Los Angeles Ghostbusters were involved in that in large part because Matt Zunick has been on the show, although he'll never take credit for it because he wants us all to be, you know, involved in what we did. But to see another franchise across the country handing out those gowns after sort of seeing them get revealed at the beginning of June uh, here around the Los Angeles area is freaking amazing. Um, I'm so excited about it. Like I made me like tickled to see this story on Ghostbusters news. Uh, if you haven't seen this story on Ghostbusters news, go check it out because Jason also has video footage of the local Fox and CBS affiliates who picked up the story, um, which is just awesome. Like it, it, it's awesome to me that there is like exposure happening for charitable events involving Ghostbusters stuff. But I mean, it's more amazing to me that kids are getting these gowns in their hands and that we're watching this concept that like was, you know, a pipe dream of like, hey, what if we were to raise like, I don't know, several tens of thousands of dollars to generate, uh, you know, flight suit gowns for kids to boost morale in the hospital. And that, that sounds like such like a pie in the sky kind of thing to be thinking about, uh, you know, maybe a year ago. And to see it actually happening uh, in multiple places around the country is just freaking mind-blowing. So uh, to those of you at Suncoast Ghostbusters who went out and did that work, good job. Um, I'm really happy to see you do it. Uh, you made me smile, and I'm sure you made those kids smile way even more, um, or even way more. Okay, so now that I've bobbled my way through headlines and managed to talk like an idiot, <laughs> let's uh, go now to our conversation with Phil Kessel of the Ghost Beacon channel on YouTube. Joining me on Extraplasm Podcast for the first time, but supporting it for a long time, uh, a good person, a great person for making awesome little documentaries and commentary about the Ghostbusters community, and somebody who I've been you know, interested in dying to get to know for a while. Welcome to the podcast, Philip Kessel. Uh, do you like Phil or Philip? I should have asked you that. No, I. everyone just calls me Phil. One syllable, direct, and that's it. All right, but there it is, Phil Kessel. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. It, it, honestly, this is really like 
uh, an honor, like to hear about the other people that you've had before this and you've been wanting to talk to me. It's just, uh, it's, it really is an honor and I am really thankful for having to be here tonight. No, thank you for coming. Um, I, for those of you who don't know who Phil is, if you're like, who's Phil Kessel on, did he like start the Kessel run and did he do it enough parsecs or something? Um, is he a hockey hockey player? player? (laughs) (laughs) Um, no, like Phil, Phil is the, the man behind, uh, the awesome YouTube channel and Instagram account ghost beacon. Um, which you may have seen out there on the interwebs. Um, and if you have seen it recently, you probably saw it because of the amazing, like 40 minute long video you did on the Buffalo Ghostbusters. I keep, I don't, I shouldn't call it that. Cause it wasn't just, I mean, I know they put the event together, but it was a Ghostbusters day event at the firehouse that Buffalo organized rather than it was. Yeah. Buffalo the Buffalo organized. <laughs> yeah. Buffalo organized Ghostbusters day at hook and ladder eight. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Which has been going on for three years. It, it's an amazing event. It is awesome. Is that actually like the first video that you ended up doing under the Ghost Beacon banner was the first Firehouse video they did? So officially, my first video was a reaction video to one of the trailers for Afterlife. But uh, I got like a copyright strike for showing the trailer. (laughs) So I took that one down very quickly. But yes, essentially, the uh, 2001 Ghostbusters Day at the Hook and Ladder 8 was my first uh, video. So it's kind of funny. You've like had now like two years of coverage of or three, well, 2001, 2022, 22 and 2023. So three years of covering that event. Um, I'm like doing the math of like subtract 2021, <laughs> to 2023. You got to count the first year. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's awesome. And it's kind of I think it's great that like you've do you go out and you do things like you've obviously do commentary. You did like reviews of the movie and whatnot on your channel. But like some of my favorite stuff that I see you do is like this long form. Hey, I'm going to go do like 40 minutes of men on the street. I'm going to give you a little snippet of like what's going on here. Almost like Huel Hauser <laughs> and then well, interview people. You know, it's cool. My uh, so the origin of kind of what I've been doing has been inspired by Disney vlogs, to be quite okay. honest with you. Uh, Tim Tracker, Adam, the Wu, um, uh, ordinary adventures is a big one they they kind of set the tone for what i wanted to do for ghostbusters fans because uh the biggest compliment i can get for doing these videos is someone from like italy or mexico or japan even and they say thank you for doing this because obviously we can't be there yeah and so i really am doing this for the fans that can't be there and try to be as immersive as possible and get every kind of detail as possible. So that's kind of the goal, the mindset that I go in while doing these videos specifically on Ghostbusters day. It's interesting. You said that. Cause I think um, like a, around the time that you started doing, this is also kind of like the point where we were still transitioning from, Hey, we're all in the house. And so we're all engaged in the process well, of simulated and vicarious living, you know, it, that that's exactly it. Because the way ghost speaking started was kind of just like a, a fun thing to do on Instagram. And then it kind of more. And then when I saw the Buffalo Ghostbusters advertising, oh, we're doing this Ghostbusters day and we're getting the funds to get assigned for the fire hall. I was like, oh, that sounds like fun. I'll go up yeah. there and vlog it and you know put out a first video and get the ball rolling on that high note and then go from there to do the stuff on uh, my youtube channel 
And so it's, I think that's funny because it's like one of those things where I think many of us were sitting around in the house during the pandemic. And during that, it's like, I don't necessarily mean the 2020 part where we were like, what do we do about toilet paper? I mean, like the, 20, <laughs> like the 2021 part, you know, where it was like, things are still not back to normal, but we can access toilet paper. We can access groceries and everyone has restocked on green screens and webcams. Right. <laughs> like, and and the and it's funny because like the beginning of the pandemic is when all the afterlife stuff was starting to churn up. Like yeah. the, the Toy Fair stuff happened in March of 2020, correct? Yeah, like, I think it was February, right? Yeah, February Because the pandemic March, starts yeah. in March. And I think it's like my my memory of this and how I keep this in track is that I was at a, uh, a Chinese New Year uh, parade and it was like the first two weeks of February at something somewhere around there. Somebody's going to be like, yeah, it was during Chinese New Year, you moron. Look it up. Um, <laughs> um, and and um, so I was at that parade and I remember people at that parade being very concerned. There were some odd folks. I won't say what franchise they were representing because it wasn't a Ghostbusters franchise at all. It were representing right. a completely different IP. Um, right. And they were all wearing these weird masks and it was February and everybody there was like, what are they doing? And we asked and they're like, well, have you heard about this virus in China? And it was like, it was Chinese new year. And I was like, that, this sounds insane. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, we yeah, got yeah. to toy fair that happened like the last week of, of I think February, yeah. a couple weeks afterwards. And then yeah. it was like, we got to the second week or two of March and it was like, boom, everything's shutting down. But I think it gave a bunch of us who otherwise were sitting around going, I don't know if I would be this vocal on the internet for long periods of time, like for years, it like kind of became the catalyst of like, what do you have to lose? Right. <laughs> like at this point. And, <laughs> yeah. And obviously we were waiting for like 30 plus years for new Ghostbuster stuff and to finally get something like a toy yeah. fair, like new toys. Oh my God. And then the pandemic hits and then the movie gets delayed and it's just like the start stop kind of situation. And, and I, and then in March I started the, um, ghost beacon Instagram account. And then I just was like, all right, I'm all in. I'm really excited for afterlife. How do I keep the excitement going and just reach into the archive of like my toys and photographs and like just to kind of hype myself up about the movie really yeah. is what the goal was initially. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you're wrong about that. It's like, I, I kind of talked about this recently. Um, you know, when I was a guest on the yes, have some podcast that like when I was doing a lot more Instagram posting was probably during that period of time. And it was like, there yeah. was a lot to repost cause there was content coming out. There was toys coming out. It's like, Oh, we found links to GameStop where they've got <laughs> the Frank features figures and we can buy them. Let's put that on Instagram yeah. or Twitter. But like, I have talked about this a bit that I have slowed down on that since I started doing a podcast because in one, there's not as much to react to. But two, it sort of like gave me the ability to kind of process like, OK, there's incoming information about a thing. Do I need to just go, oh, my God, there's new stuff. <laughs> or do I kind of take three days and formulate a thought about it and then make a yeah, podcast? And, you know? and, and instead of like being a reaction to a thing that's just coming out. Right. You have the ability to just kind of digest it. Think about it and then present it on your thoughts on it. Mm -hmm. And I, I like that about what you do. But that's what I like about your videos too. That's what I was getting at is like, I think that your videos do that well. Like I was, was being like, Hey, come on the show and tell me how I do a good job. 
(laughs) (laughs) Well, I appreciate that too. Like I, I try to do some reviews. I want to do more, obviously when, uh, you know, hopefully we'll hear more about what's going to be announced pretty soon about toys. And, uh, hopefully there, I, I think there will be a pushback on the release date, but we still haven't heard anything official, but anyway, uh, yeah, if I'm all for like anything new, I'll review it. And, uh, I would like to get around to reviewing some of the fan made stuff too, because that's as good as what's being produced like by Hasbro. (laughs) It's amazing. In particular, like that, you know, I, not because I'm just like, Hey, they've been on the podcast before. It's like, but Phantasm Toys is doing stuff that some, you know, well, yeah, their, their Gozer figure is going live tonight. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's true. Um, as we are recording this tonight, uh, they are in the process of going live with their latest Gozer figure. So I'm, you know, it's good stuff, but yeah, it's not called Gozer. It's, uh, it's called. Oh yeah, that's else. right. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Sony. Yep. Sony. <laughs> Please. <laughs> don't come for us. Don't come do for it. them either. <laughs> Please no. don't do well, it. Don't come for anybody. Don't come for anybody unless you're coming with like, I don't know, free t-shirts and thermal mugs and balloons for the kids. Then you yeah, can come. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I'm really, I really think it's amazing the stuff that you've gotten done. And I will say, well, I want to talk with you a bit about like what your background is and how you got into this. But I think I owe you a little bit of apology because you came all the way out for Ectofest, didn't you? Like you came out to L.A. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I've been to the- I've been to LA twice, one for the 2019 Ghostbuster Fan Fest yeah. and then Ectofest uh, last year. <laughs> I'm almost certain that like I was standing next to you. Probably. To be quite honest, I'm kind of an introvert, so I'm this is kind of my way to kind of break out of the shell a little bit because, you know, I I saw uh Craig and the Yes Have Some podcast and, you know, them together with you know aj and all that crew it's it it's intimidating but i love those guys and what they do on a daily basis and uh it it's it's a really great family and i really want to have i actually talked we actually uh craig and i actually stayed at the same hotel and i was able to talk to him a little bit in the in the uh, lobby there and he's just a fantastic person and very encouraging and uh, just a sweet guy. And I, I, I love this community, man. It, yeah. it, that's the one thing that keeps me going is just this community is so supportive and I don't think, uh, you can ask for more because and I, you get, I think it's kind of unique, honestly. Like, yeah. I don't, you know, I look, there's, I, I listen to a Star Trek podcast. I enjoy mm-hmm. it. And they joke about how, you know, they will create fake podcast beefs with other Star Trek podcasts that they like. And it's not, they know it's not real beef. They're like, we're going to do this with that show or whatever. Right. But like those shows like never go, Hey, you know what we should do? We should have like so-and-so from the other show. That <laughs> doesn't happen. And at this point it's almost become like, Oh cool. There is a series of Ghostbusters podcasts and collaborators who like to do things together occasionally. So we are mutually supportive of each other's stuff rather than being like, Hey, ours needs to be the one. <laughs> right. And that's the thing. It, this is supposed to be fun. You know, yeah. I, I, I get enjoyment of, you know, feeling like I'm five years old again 
even if it's like a split second of talking about a movie that I care about so much, this franchise has been like a, a good friend to me over the years, even sure. though yeah. I, I sometimes go for a long period of not watching it, but it's all up here in my brain. I don't even need to watch it anymore right? because I, I watched it all the time as a kid. In fact, my, my mom uh, wrote in my baby book when I was three years old that I can mimic the movie and I had to watch it <laughs> before breakfast, like literally. And it's in this movie, this franchise has meant a lot to me and it's gained, given me confidence really to, you know, just go out there, make videos, go on podcasts like this. Yeah. And because I'm so relaxed because I know the material so well and it, it gives me confidence to, you know, just do the thing, man. I mean, I, I think it. it's, I think you're on the point there about that. Cause it's like, um, I don't know, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm too tunnel vision inside of ghostbusters to know this. Otherwise maybe people in other fandoms would go, yeah, we do that in star Wars fandoms too, dummy. But I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I have a similar level of like weird, um, introversion. Like I, I, people think about me as being like extroverted cause I get up and I teach in front of students. Mm -hmm. And when I was a kid, like my, you know, my, my mom talked, will retell the story about how I got up and screamed bingo, uh, to the entire <laughs> kindergarten, you know, like without a microphone, because I was just like, okay, I'll get up and sing it. And, and I was very much, I think as a kid, that kind of, uh, outgoing, like I'll come in and talk with lots of people and yay. And I think like, as you get older and over the years, you take your battle scars and you, you know, you develop your, your worries and your concerns and you become a little more introverted about those kinds of things, especially about the things that you like have a deep nerdy passions about. Yeah. Right. Cause like you can walk into any other context. If you're just at an average party and you're like, Oh yeah, what'd you guys do for Halloween? I dressed up as uh as Peter Vinkman and I walked around outside my house with proton pack on. Did you trick, like take kids trick or treat? No, I don't have any kids. Uh, I just have proton packs. <laughs> it's just like, that's, but you can walk into like these conversations. It's like, yeah, totally. Like I have proton packs on Halloween too. <laughs> Is it HasLab or Spirit? <laughs> well, that's my, one of my favorite moments in your uh, little, like not to spoil things about your video. Cause everybody should go watch your video from uh, the Ghostbusters day event at fi the firehouse. <laughs> is you notice this you, you just stop in the middle of your video and you're like guys there's so many HasLab proton packs here right now yeah it was so <laughs> cool though <laughs> and see that's the ghostbuster nerd in me noticing the, those small things it's just it's really I, cool i've been saying since the HasLab packs showed up on my doorstep that it's going to be really easy to tell who has a HasLab proton pack at an event because those are the people that have a weird letter j like sticking off the tail end of their butts because they're the, the hose is so rigid and yep. so long yep. that they and yep. I'm so worried about wearing mine out anywhere because I'm like, I'm gonna clear out a table. Like I'm gonna walk past just like somebody who's like, I've got custom made action figures and my hose is just gonna it's, knock it's so, over. It's so funny that you say that because I found so many of the uh cables like that come off easily. Yeah. And on the ground and that made me want to reinforce those cables so badly. It was like, okay, that's an issue that yeah, I want to remedy. Will admit, some people will be completely insulted by this, but um, I have one, I haven't worn my HasLab pack at all. Like it is, it's sad. It's, there's an Alice frame literally behind it, not attached to it. I'm like, we'll get to this later. Jim, and, don't you know, worry. I'm, I'm in the same boat. I have yet to modify my stuff yet. 
Um, but I intend to do that since I'm a new dad. I have a new 10 month old twins right now. And so, oh, thank you. So I literally don't have time to do the modifications I want for yeah. it now, but <laughs> I'm actually glad because watching like the groups and the mod groups uh, on Facebook, the it's insane. Like especially Ninja <laughs> Tunes and what he's done to like yeah. produce the board that does the thing that it does, and it's a plug and play. Yep. Oh my god, it's a plug and play that actually <laughs> produces the sound from Afterlife. I'm gonna and tell you makes- this now on this podcast so i could feel like i came up with the idea and then nobody else can like when they say oh, this was mine nope extraplasm podcast thought of it first i'm not going to implement it franken geek can go do this or ninja tunes somebody yeah 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 dial of destiny cyclotron okay. cake <laughs> i like it if you I like look that. at Lucas, like go to the Lucas Films like instagram and look at all the photos they have and the videos they have of like the dial of destiny prop and you look at it and you go it's like totally to scale. It's like per- it could probably just drop right in. Like- <laughs> I mean, Hasbro is producing the toys for the that's, new Indiana That's what Jones. I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. If HasLab does, if they do like a HasLab dial of destiny, and then you can take that and put it inside your proton pack. Like if anybody at Hasbro is listening right now, you make sure that that dial of destiny is designed with the exact same threading. Uh, as a cyclotron cake, so people just put that in plug and play, and then just have somebody put it out in some secret blog. Like, do you guys still have Bill Raleigh over there? Is he still working for you? Because um, he's he knows about this stuff anyway. <laughs> but, um, I like I it. Be sidetracking to that. No, it's cool. <laughs> but no, I think you're like that stuff is um that stuff like all the proton pack mounting like the Haslab stuff. It is so crazy to me that um. Think that like when you went to the first firehouse event in like 2021, right? Yeah. The only off the shelf proton pack option would have been spirit packs. Yeah. The spirit right? packs, like old school spirit packs now. Yeah. And, and old it, school. Like, yeah, you're right. Like the old yeah. tiny ones and also the old tiny ones that even had like the crappiest little ribbon, yeah, the, ribbon cables. <laughs> like, well, yeah. And the, the white cyclotron lights, right. the, the, yeah, the lenses, I mean. Yeah. So and but it's cool. I I I actually enjoy like seeing all the mods that people do. Just the creativity and making it their own. It it really is kind of the mindset of a Ghostbuster and what Egon and Ray might have come up with yeah. on yeah. their own. So it's it's beautiful. I I love the creativity of this fan base. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, and I think that you know, like I just sort of tie this back to the sort of sort of introversion thing. I think that's where like our shared love and appreciation of this stuff in the space where we go, it's okay to do this here. Yeah. <laughs> like, it becomes something where we all get to see everybody's like skills. You know, yeah. Like I even, I've talked about this with like watching phantasm toys. Like that started out as a series of minifigures that somebody was like, I wonder if I can make these in my basement. And that becomes this other thing. And it's largely because, it, Oh, I can create something that people in this particular arena, this particular like um, audience space, appreciates and yeah. even though it's kind of deep cutty you know and, and that is a way to get started on something so i, I also i also want to um throw out plastic geeks for producing mm. the um fright feature uh dirt farmer ghost of egon because that that was really cool too i um it it's incredible like 
3D printing and resin has changed the game for the fandom. Yeah. And even patches, like people have come up with the patches that are on the video game, the Spirits Unleashed video game. And it's, it's created a whole new ball game and you get closer and closer to this tight knit community that is the Ghostbusters fans. And it's beautiful. And that's why I love this community so much because we build things for each other and we build things to create, to uh, appease yourself and your creativity and uh, like uh, real Ghostbusters, Chris, who does like Mm, the real Ghostbuster uh, movie Ghostbuster uh, crossovers. Mr. Pizza Plasma and his raccoons. Yeah, baby Belushi. (laughs) He he does it just as a side gig and just fulfills what he wants to put out there in the universe. And it's great. Hey, I'll say this. When he came on the podcast, he was a guest. That was the night that our house got attacked by raccoons. They tried to broke into the roof. Um, and we closed it all up and dealt with it. And I messaged him and I was like, and people don't know what I'm talking about. If you go to look at pizza plasma on Instagram, you'll see that Chris Sorrentino, previous guest of the podcast and baby Belushi, who's in your video. Um, he's, I got a family of raccoons that he feeds on his back porch. And um, sometimes he does it dressed as a raccoon in a raccoon onesie. Um, and so when he sent this packet, when he, when he was on the podcast, this happened where we had the raccoons in the roof. Well, he sent out those prints. He, the ones he had left, he decided to send a few to people who couldn't come uh, to the firehouse. And so he was like kind enough. So thank you. Shout out to Chris, that mm-hmm. he sent one of those awesome prints of like the afterlife Egon done up afterlife. Uh, scene of Egon being revealed as ghost farmer and uh, or dirt farmer, whatever you want to call him. Yeah, yeah. It was drawn up as like the real Ghostbusters cartoon. So I get it. And I'm like, this is amazing. I message him like, thank you so much that night, three o'clock in the morning. I hear this noise on the roof. I'm like, what is going on? I go outside. <laughs> there's a raccoon on the roof trying to get back in <laughs> the roof. I'm like, have this standoff with the raccoon for like 20 minutes. And the raccoon turns around and finally walks away and out behind the raccoon runs up two little kits, two little like now juvenile raccoons who she probably was trying to get in the attic to have. It, it, <laughs> it reminds me of uh, the great outdoors and those raccoons outside of uh, John Candy's uh, cabin. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I messaged him and I was like, hey, you send packages here. That doesn't mean you're allowed to send all your rogue raccoon friends over here, too. OK, that's not now that you have the address. <laughs> but shout out to chris because he's awesome yeah like to sort of tie back to this idea of like um different people with different skills like what was your background coming into this like do you do video on a regular like what or is it just a hobby like how did you come into doing video coverage so my background i went to school and uh, as a television major and i interned at the late show with david letterman i Whoa. Uh, currently am working for uh, Warner Brothers Discovery as like a quality check before uh, things go on air. So um, I've always been in the creative field. And as a kid, I've always loved doing video stuff with friends, you know, getting my Hi8 video camera and just like going out making movies. And I even did like stop motion stuff with my ghostbuster action figures when i was in middle school 
<laughs> and recreated the last scene of them blowing up Gozer's temple and stuff like that with my Kenner uh, Stay Puffed and stuff like that. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I've always had the bug of doing stuff. And it's because of Ghostbusters, to be quite honest with you, because uh, it got me into uh, wondering, oh, okay, I've seen... So I grew up watching the movie, and then my dad loves David Letterman. And so I found out that Bill Murray was his first guest on Late Night with David mm-hmm. Letterman. And so it kind of all ties together. And my interest in comedy and New York City and all this kind of stuff. And because it, uh, I, I just love the medium of television. I always love uh, late night specifically because every night you have to come up with something new. Yeah, for and, sure. And, and comedy for me is just, it's, it's medicine. It's the universal medicine for everyone. It, it, Comedy and music, I believe, is yeah. the universal language. Everyone loves to laugh. Medically, it's good for you. And music uh, turns on a certain section in your brain that relaxes you or uh, puts you in a mood. So I, that's always just appealed to me. And with Ghostbusters, it was the score. It was the comedy and the writing and the ensemble of bill murray dan Aykroyd, harold ramus and ernie hudson and yeah um and a lot of other people that i wanted to research i had a gilda radner vhs that i played on a loop and saw (laughs) bill murray on one of her sketches and dan Aykroyd on early saturday night live so it just it all just pulls together because of Ghostbusters and who I am today yeah, and why I do the stuff that I do because I just simply want to make people happy and just uh, take them to their childhood or whatnot and just make them feel good. I think it's awesome that like, that's part of what your intent is that like to take somebody to a particular moment with the content you're making because of that appreciation. And part of it, like I didn't want to like start this off at the beginning of you talking about it, but like I, have this weird fascination lately. I don't know what it is, but I watch videos of things I know I will never go do like, right. Because, and it's not like, Oh, I'm watching a highly produced package of like, Oh, here it is. Like the travel channel went and did like, let's go to Machu Picchu. Like, it's not that right. It's, it's stuff like (laughs) this is going to be so embarrassing, but like (laughs) there is some channel where the guy, he doesn't talk on it. He just provides text. And he's like traveling around Japan. Yeah. He's like goes to like a Japanese um, vending machine museum with um, like all it's a working. It's actually like a working um, setup of all these vending machines that's across the street from a used tire place. And he just goes and he's like, there are hundreds of machines here. You can get pot noodles from a vending machine. You can get like ice cream from a vending machine. You can get Kodak film from a vending machine. And it's like, they all work. They're all maintained by the guy who owns. And I'm like, I fell in a rabbit hole watching this for like two hours. I was like, this is fascinating. This is crazy. <laughs> and, but to me, like, I think there's a whole entire like market of film. Like, like not if it's not film, it's like content, right? That probably never would have been considered that. Um, like you said, television as a background, which I find fascinating about this. Because it's like stuff that never would have been 
considered television format. Like it doesn't fit into the 22 minutes with the commercials and all the things that happens to the television medium because of its business. Right. Right. And so that, and that of course affects what content can even be right. And I think that's what I like about your video so much is it's like, here's 40 minutes, but it's like 40 minutes of I'm moving through this event. And like your video starts out with like the event hasn't even started yet. I'm here early. Right. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. Again, I actually was worried about the length of it because, you know, there's like a certain rule with like videos on YouTube is like, all right, you got to keep it to like maybe 10 to 15 minutes. Otherwise, people will lose interest. But yeah, you know, I really don't care. I personally, I, I have like the patience to watch a whole video, especially like Disney videos that are like maybe 40 to an hour long. So, and I watch it on my TV and (laughs) so it, it really, so I, I really want to take people on a journey with me and show the whole entire process of what's Mm -hmm. going on. And that's what I think is so cool about it. Like, cause it's not, it's, it doesn't come across as like, Hey, I've, I'm making a TV show. Like as much as you're talking about it as a background that, I mean, there's, there's the, there's the videos you do that are commentary and stuff that are like a little shorter, right? Like that you'll put out on Instagram, like, Hey, I'm yeah. doing this toy or whatever. But like this stuff where you go off to the events and actually cover it is like, even if it is 40 minutes long, it doesn't feel like it because your way of editing long form co- content. And this is like a compliment. I hope it comes across that way. No, it is. Um, yeah. Thank you. It, 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 edit the way you edit ends up being something where like you get say three minutes of interaction with a particular thing. And that particular thing is very interesting. And then you move on to the next thing at this event. And it's kind of like, so you, it's three, five minutes in these little spots, but it's not like, oh, we're doing a segment and now we're going to cut it. Now we'll be back from this commercial break. It's just moving through a naturally feeling progressing day and montage, you know, and I just think it works well. So, well, and I also am thankful that, you know, Buffalo Ghostbusters kind of uh, send like a list of the things that are going to happen that day. And so it kind of in the producer mind, you kind of have to map out, okay, this is my intention. Oh, Chris is going to be there handing out a real ghostbuster afterlife uh, stuff that he did for free. So I want to get that and get his thoughts because I've always wanted to talk to Chris and then, you know, the concert and the wedding and all that, because, I, I wanted to make sure I got everything and you know, it's, it's not about me. It's about the event and specifically the firefighters, mm-hmm. because that's why the Buffalo Ghostbusters are putting on this event. Oh yeah. Or right. for the hook and ladder eight people say, yeah, it's Ghostbusters day, but it's, a it, it's for the it's it's a fundraiser <laughs> for the fire hall and i want to bring that home to right the forefront and that's why i always make sure that i talk to nick the firefighter every year to get his thoughts because i feel like that's so important because that's the reason why i'm there and that's why the reason buffalo ghostbusters put on that event right in the first place yeah i mean and i think that that's what's cool is that you create that sort of like interstitial tissue of like you show up, you're outside, you go inside, you show like, here's the firehouse, the patch wall, you get this sensation that it's like, okay, this is not just like we showed up at the Ghostbusters event and somebody turned their camera on like that. Part of the reason I asked you, like, what is your background is because 
like there is a sense of production planning to it, right? That's like it fe- it's, it has an organic feel to watch it and be like, I moved through this event. But your ability to be like, oh, OK, the 2016 Ecto is arriving and it's backing in. So let's make sure we catch that. Oh, OK, now the other Ecto's here. OK, now uh, the Alessi brothers are here. And it's like you're moving through each of these beats like so fluidly that at one point I looked at you were shooting like the quick over the shoulder of yourself, like talking. Right. And I was just like, yeah, yeah. over the shoulder, but the sort of pointing the camera at yourself move to mm-hmm. I, I see. I know where I make podcasts, me not know words about video. <laughs> um isn't it sad that I used to once upon a time go to school for media studies? Uh, wow. Um, so what I think is interesting about that is that you are carrying all this stuff with you. Like you are a one man show. And at one point I honestly thought you were in a flight suit. I was like, if you are carrying all this stuff in a flight suit, like, were you? No, okay. no. I, every year I hear the complaints of God, this flight suit's so damn hot. <laughs> And I make sure I don't wear a flight suit and wear shorts and a t-shirt. And that's that's the reason why I did the thing I did at the beginning of the video of this year's because uh, I explain, yeah, there's no shade, bring sunscreen, <laughs> and yeah, it gets pretty damn hot. So bring an umbrella too. I like I like your travel tips in the middle of the video. You're like, if you're coming to the firehouse, bring cash. Well, <laughs> like, yeah, they have, they and, have stuff for sale. You'll want to buy it. And, that, and that's a. And I always think about the questions that are asked on these Ghostbuster forums because most of the people on there aren't as diehard as we are. So I'm trying to think about them as well and just trying to answer those questions. That's why I made sure to ask the question to Nick, like, what is the proper etiquette if the door is closed for the firehouse? And he's like, yeah, just go to the side door. You may or may not get a firefighter that would be happy to see you but that's the warning that's the that's the expectation that you go in when you go to the site because i want to make sure everyone gets the proper information right. from the horse's mouth really yeah um and that's shout out to nick because like it's kind of wild that he has kind of become like <laughs> the, the ghost yeah. busting public information officer of the firehouse yep. Yep. <laughs> over he, the he, years he's been he's been great like I met up with him. He was actually at the New York City Comic Con in 2021 when they revealed the film. Oh, nice! And he was he was there at the at the film screening, and it was just great to see a familiar face and ch- catch up with him after the film. And he's he's just a great dude, and I, I I love those guys over at the fire hall, and much much respect for them on a daily basis, especially <laughs> putting up. With all these Ghostbuster Ghostbuster fans like going in and out of their their uh, their work, so it, yeah, it's it they don't have to do it, but I am truly grateful that they do do it, what they do yeah. for um, us I fans. Think I think it's amazing, and I think I you know I hope that they get their family transit van so that way they can. I hope so too. You know, I really I hope do. so too. It's something with, it's something that I was reminding people repeatedly, like, hey, this is about charity. You know, this is about yep. figuring out how to. And I think that that's what's so amazing is we we're talking about this in terms of collaborating about media stuff and you know, toys, but like that level of like collaborative, um, strategy, right. And sort of like tapping resources and figure out who knows how to do what I think is what's yeah. really starting to help make some of the things that, you know, franchises and, and the fandom are doing and franchises are doing together. I don't mean like necessarily individuals alone, cause sure that's happening, but, um, it's stuff like that. It's stuff like the starlight foundation stuff that happened with all these different franchises around the country. Like 
I think that a lot of that begins to take off because of the fact that we have democratized like media production, toy making, all the stuff, you know? So, yep. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's like, there's some philosophical nonsense, everyone. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, <laughs> maybe you'll have to put yourself down. Holy crap. <laughs> but, you know, you're hey. always here. What gets cut from the episode. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but no, honestly, like, I, I, we're probably repeating ourselves here, but it, it's a great community, and uh, we we just we want to do our 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 part to make this world better. Like I said, comedy, you know, brings up people and lifts our spirits, and we can do the same thing with charitable work. Yeah, and that's what I love about this franchise and this community. And yeah, I I'm I'm just here to support whoever's uh doing the fundraiser and make sure that it's brought to light because we we all got to do our part to make this world a little better yeah no i hear that and i think that that's part of that whole ability to come together when you have introverted people who are at home like how do we make the world any better (laughs) right yeah right ghostbusters is hell (laughs) yeah it's helped me a whole lot like you know when Back in 97, like when uh, Extreme Ghostbusters was out, it wasn't cool to like Ghostbusters, but I still loved it and <laughs> looked up like all the Ghostbusters 3 news that was going off of uh, Ghostbuster headquarters and proton charging of like, oh, Chris Farley and Will Smith and Ben Stiller are going to be in the third Ghostbusters movie. <laughs> awesome. I'll print off this uh, photoshopped uh, poster and put it on my binder. And no one did that in my grade when I was in seventh grade. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. Um, that's, that's so funny to me because it's, you are right about that in the sense that I admit I was a little too old by the time we got to extreme ghostbusters. I think that I probably wasn't really watching a lot of cartoons, but it wasn't, it, I have still like not watched most of most of it. And part of it was like, I don't think it had necessarily the same, like, cool factor of, you know, say ghostbusters. It was like, what is, this is so different version of ghostbusters i i think i was the demographic for that show because i grew up with the real ghostbusters and then i'm in middle school and extreme ghostbusters comes out yeah and it's like they still have egon and janine it it was like the perfect like sure storm of like oh it, it has it's a darker writing storytelling scarier ghost in my opinion it just had this edge to it it was extreme and so yeah i thought yeah this was made for me because it still honors like the real ghostbusters with egon and later they bring back the original ray uh peter and winston so it was just it was amazing and i literally woke up six o'clock each morning uh on saturday mornings to make sure i record it just so i can re-watch it that episode later and and i still have the tape somewhere <laughs> when i originally recorded those episodes and also uh real ghostbusters was on the fox family channel at that time period too and so i was just like oh my god uh there's so much ghostbuster content right now that's right. feeding like my 
my palate right now. It's, it was really cool. And the Ghostbusters 3 news that was just starting to come out. And I was just like, oh, yes, it's this is awesome. <laughs> I feel like and this is no shot at extreme Ghostbusters by any means, but I feel like I, at my age, like the point where I was at, I feel about it the same way I do about Transformers Beast Wars. Yeah, like, I know it happened. Um, there were there were shows, there were episodes of it that were on in the morning while I was getting ready to go to school or whatever. <laughs> like, But I have no idea what went on in them <laughs> because yeah. it just was not. It was like background. It wasn't the thing I was like focused on so much. But I think like for those for those folks who were kind of like it was available as you came out of your, you know, elementary school years into middle school. It made a lot of sense, I think, because I'm like I was four when Ghostbusters came out in the theater. Right. So it's I right. think that like I was a little too old for extreme when it happened. And yeah. people tell me like, it's really good. You should go back and watch it. And I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, like I said, like I was probably the specific demographic that they were going for right. and they weren't really going for the masses, but I, Oh damn. I, I love that show. It well-written love the cast and love the voiceover artists that were a part of that show. It was like an all-star cast. It was incredible. And so I, I love it so much. And in fact, that's why I called myself ghost beacon because of the device that Kylie uses in the first episode. And, and it also kind of harkens to like a newspaper, like beacon or something like that. Right. So it, it kind of was like a perfect storm of like uh, a technology that the ghostbusters use. And it was like an obscure technology that no one really talks about. So it was just like, go speak. All right, I'll, <laughs> I'll do that. Hey, I'll say this. When I saw ghost beacon, like as is your name, one and I saw what your little logo was at one point. I thought that you there was an episode of Extraplasm where we talked about Ghostbusters um, in universe consumer products. So like, yeah. what if there was not as opposed to a Sony consumer products division, there was a Ghostbusters consumer products division, and it was like they developed things for the house. And I think Ghost Beacon would be like a thing that you left in your home, and it lit up, <laughs> like just <laughs> it, it would lit it would light up like like it reminds me of the. Um, I don't know if you remember that because you're hockey, like, you know, about hockey a little bit. So maybe you remember this. Budweiser did a promotion where you could get the thing for your team where you would get a goal lamp. And like when your team scored a goal in a game, the goal lamp in your house would light up. Oh, so interesting. Like my, I didn't my hear brother about has that. One of these like the New York Rangers or something where like when the Rangers score a goal and he's watching it on television, the goal lamp in his house <laughs> can light up. That's really cool. But really bizarre. That's like every time. Like, this uh, is like a ghost beacon. <laughs> yeah. Like you watch that one episode of Extreme Ghostbusters as Kylie uses it and the ghost beacon goes off. <laughs> right. But it's like, what if it was a thing you had in your home? At the immediate arrival of paranormal activity, the ghost beacon in your home will sound. <laughs> Available now for $149.99 or three easy installments of $39.95, whatever it is. Like, but plus shipping and handling. But wait, there's more. Call now and you'll also get PKE alarm clock. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's the only alarm clock that activates on spectral. I'm just going to stop now. Like, just... No, I like that idea. <laughs> Um, I have no idea where I was going before I ran off the rails with this. Sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> um, 
so you did make it out here for the LA event for Ectofest. You've gone to the firehouse. You went to fan fest. Where else do you want to go? I mean, obviously like everybody wants to go to the premiere next movie, right? But like what, if you have the opportunity to go and make videos about Ghostbusters stuff and you can have an infinite budget, let's <laughs> like for travel, where would um, you want to go? That water park. And I think Taiwan or somewhere like that, <laughs> that has like the, the Slimer water slide or whatever. Yeah. And I forget, I think it might be um, Saudi Arabia or some Middle East country that Dubai has. Yeah, Dubai. That's motion, it. Yeah. Motion Gate Dubai, I think is what you're yeah, talking about. Right? D- yeah, Dubai. And they have that like uh, Ghostbuster themed restaurant and hotel room or whatever. Is that in Dubai, the hotel room? Or is that thing in Germany? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it <laughs> those places and and i definitely want to check out um the germany ghostbuster uh booth at their con the, <laughs> i honestly god i really want to see their booth you're like i want to go to a theme park but more than that i want to go see Di- the, the german the various because there's more than one right there's like yeah the geister jaeger and then there's like yeah, the ghostbusters D- of D- germany right like yeah um, well, both of them are really, really good. Yeah. And but they're they're like a theme park attraction in and of itself. And yes, it's the, amazing. Yeah, th- those are definitely on my bucket list. I honestly and, think the guy from Sham Wow was talking about Ghostbusters franchises when he was like, "Those Germans, they make great, great stuff." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but an obscure one is to see the Harold Ramis. Um, uh, Second City Film School, yeah, kind of get like a inside look on there. That that interests me. Um, anything that kind of ties in with the Ghostbuster theme of what I'm interested in, which is the writing and the comedy. Second City has always been a a great inspiration for me. I. So I, I've always wanted to go over there and just kind of explore the Harold Ramis film school. And That'd get be amazing. It. Yeah. 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 No, so those I, are the places I would like to do. I think because we were trying to part this, parse this out a second ago. I'm like the, the Dubai thing is called motion gate. And I think it's okay. like a, um, that's where they have like the, the shooting game. It's like, uh, if anybody's ever been to Disneyland, they have one of these that's toy story themed where you like. Yeah. Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, yeah. Buzz Lightyear ride where you ride around the little car and you shoot stuff. Um, so there's like one of those there. But I didn't I think they have like a, a gift shop there. I don't know. I didn't I don't know if they have a restaurant too. I know they do in the Germany place. The Germany place yeah. is like crazy, but yeah. Yeah, those are the places that if I had infinite amount of money, I would definitely kind of pond hop and kind of see those places and because those are definitely the places a lot of people would like to go to, but just don't have the budget to to go to those places. If I had an infinite amount of money. I would advise that you do it inside of the beacon jet. Yeah. <laughs> I would definitely get a beacon jet. That'd be pretty sweet. It's got custom artwork on the side and yeah. one glowing blue lamp. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, but it would be awesome if you could, if like you had the jet set and fly around like that. I've been thinking about this cause like I want to at some point go and do a trip like that, like this. But I've been thinking about wanting to like escape to Canada 
to just like be like, I'm going to go over the border and go look at things that inspired Ghostbusters or like go to the go to the places where Afterlife was shot. Like, obviously, you're not going to find yeah. Elon's house because they took it down and brought it home. Right. With them. But, <laughs> you know, yeah. And I would like, like to go to those places, too, and just kind of walk around and just like place myself there. Yeah. Like being at being at the L.A. firehouse and actually being inside was just so surreal to me, even though it was a shell of its form itself. We're going to talk about this just so it's yeah. clear. <laughs> yeah. It, it was a shell of its former self. and But overall, I was just honored to at least get a glimpse of what it's like in there. All right. You brought it up because I hadn't brought right. it up yet. And I was like, I will ask you a million and one questions because it's, it's dangerous to get into the territory of being inside the firehouse and having me involved because I'm like, I've never been. And I'm still trying to figure out. And the last trip, I literally made the wrong turn down the one way street and got yelled at by the neighborhood. Uh, so I don't know if you heard that story, but it was on podcast <laughs> a few episodes ago. But it's like, tell me about this. How did you end up inside the firehouse? And when were you there? To be quite honest, it was pure luck. Um, so this was last year uh, during Ectofest. Uh, I was stayed in LA for maybe two nights, and that was the day of Ectofest. So I went in the morning. It was like one of the first things I did in that in that day. And it's funny because my Lyft driver was like, "So this you know is Skid Row. Do you know where you're going?" Like, obviously, I was an out of towner, and he's like, "Do you have a gun?" And just like. <laughs> Do you have a honestly, gun? Uh, honest to God, she said that. And I was like, uh, no. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to see the the Ghostbuster Firehouse. Yeah. Being a happy old go lively kind of thing. And she's like, um, yeah, this is Skid Row. Um, are Do you honestly want to, like, get out of here? Like, I can stay <laughs> if you want me to. But um, just say the word and I I can stay. But as soon as we turned the corner, uh, I saw like the um, wood door open, not yeah. necessarily the main door, but right. like their particle board uh, makeshift door for the construction site was open. And people, it is makeshift. Yeah. And people were coming in and out with hard hats. And I was like, and as soon as I saw that, everything that she had said to me went out the ear. And just I was gone. like, just park here and I'll be back. And so I literally jumped out, asked one of the construction workers, Hey, can I please look inside for like two minutes? And he looked at me and I was like, okay. It was that easy. Like, honestly, <laughs> guy, I was like, Oh my God. Like I, I watched so many videos of people saying how hard it is to get in there. And I was just rolling the dice. Like this was like my, the one thing I really wanted to get that, that trip. And I was just like, the, the floodgates opened up, the light came down from above and <laughs> it was just like, I was going in and the, the fact that I was able to just stand at the, the foot of the door, that's as far yeah. as I could go. Right. And just kind of do a quick pan and scan. Like literally the footage that you see in the video is all the footage that I took every middle millisecond of <laughs> That, that footage and I just took it all in stopped the camera and just looked 
and just kind of soaked it all in. Uh, even though like the green and white tiles were boarded up, no fire poles, no uh, lockers or anything like that. The staircase was in shambles. Right. I was really taking it in as like, this is it. This is where everything happened. Like my childhood to now the creativity that I've pulled from came from this room. And I want to make sure that I just take a moment for myself to look and just kind of gaze on what is in front of me. And so I was able, <laughs> I was such, I was fanboying on my way out. I was able to touch the door handle where Dana opened the door to go inside to meet the <laughs> Ghostbusters for the first time and all that stuff. So I made sure that I did the things that I wanted to do as quickly as possible. So that that's basically the story. And then I beelined up to the uh, Biltmore Hotel to get the uh, hotel shots of the Sedgwick stuff. So yeah, it was it was great. And I was shaking afterwards because I was like, oh my God, I got in. And it was just like a million to one shot. And it was just amazing. I and have never made it. Like, you know, obviously you, I've, I've, just keep I've trying. never made it in. I've, just keep I've trying. gone down. I, I never yeah. did. <laughs> just keep trying. Yeah, it's. I was intimidated by the neighborhood, but it was all worth it just going in there for two to three minutes. That's all I needed. Yeah, I'm. It may happen eventually. Um, I hope so. <laughs> you know, like. I mean, I, I else, hope like, they, they may renovate it, and I may get in it at some point when they reopen it. Who knows? And but I, you know, it's under the National Historic Registered uh, Places, and they have to keep the integrity of the building. So. It's not going to look exactly like how it did in 84, but at least it's something to go into and hopefully it will do something for that community. And that's, that's really what I hope does yeah, it, that, that firehouse does. That's my big thing is I would really love to see it, um, do something that's going to help people as opposed to continue to be something that, uh, no one knows how to deal with. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. So that's my story and I'm sticking to it. I'm not sure if you know this, but um, I, I don't I honestly don't know that I've I've, I've ever talked to you about this. Uh, when I did the episode on the firehouse on the L.A. firehouse back at the beginning of I don't know, it's like episode 10, maybe of Extraplasm. I can't remember at this point. It is a like hour long. Let's do a deep dive on the firehouse and like the whole history mm -hmm. of it. And <laughs> I ended up turning up um, articles that were written by some skid row activists who had discovered that there had been some access to the firehouse and that they haven't been able to get into. Do you know <laughs> whose YouTube video they noticed that from? From me? <laughs> yes. Oh, really? <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I'm trying to find the article now because I can't find it while I'm talking to you. I don't want to, like, distract myself and I'll find yeah. it later and send it to you. Um, but without question, like there was a some there was like this video illustrates people in the firehouse. The firehouse is under construction and nobody can get in. And it was like credit ghost beacon. And I was like, Oh wow. This is like your video. Not only did it like I got in and it was cool. And like, we saw it as fans, but like when people make videos at, at the firehouse now and they get like footage or photos or whatever, the skid row activist network that is trying to figure out what's going on inside the firehouse and can't see anything 
gotcha. has begun using our video, like our community. That's crazy. And videos to track what's going on in the firehouse. I didn't so realize to, that. I'll have to dig the article back up because it was like a blog article, but it was like about, you know, quid pro quo and Ghostbusters and what was going on with the firehouse. <laughs> and it was like, here's a, a still shot. It was like credit ghost beacon YouTube. And I was like, this is so funny. So, That's crazy. Yeah, I'll find it and send it to you. Okay, uh, yeah, thank you. But yeah, I was just thinking about this. I was like, as you're telling me this, I'm like, I don't think I've ever told you this. Like that that was one of the most random pieces of information about that whole uh, episode, that just churning that up, that they are also, like that the activists around the firehouse have so little access to the firehouse that when the Ghostbusters fans who go down there and randomly are like, can today be my day? Yeah. <laughs> 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 that's something they're following at this point it's like right okay right so, but i mean it makes sense like if they if they want to be able to make arguments about what's happening out of the firehouse right they, and the argument is their 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 initiation is to build like a, a youth art center and i guess their argument is well how does that help the community that the addicts of the street of yeah. skid row that's so, the sort of like a bridge version of it. The longer yeah. version of it, which is de- detailed and explicit detail in that episode of Extraplasm, is that the the way that process worked was that uh, there were 81 properties or 84 properties. I can't remember offhand that were earmarked by the city to be youth developed properties. It was, was like during the 90s when they were talking about doing things like renovating pools that hadn't been renovated since the 50s. And so they took that building, not really knowing what to do with it, and said, let's put that into this like bond project to fund all of these different things around the city. And so the reason they have such a difficult time changing what it should be at this point is that Mm -hmm. the voters voted for it to be a youth art center. And for them to change that designation, they would have to go back to the electorate and say, we want you to vote on this change we want to make to the plan from 1996 and that's where it kind of sits and so at the same time there are no more kids in skid row they're not wrong like when they say there's nobody here who benefits the service there aren't there's every other like youth and family service focused organization in skid row has packed up and left over the last 10 years because of the lack of clientele to even work with Um, right so but that to me is like what's so fascinating is that (laughs) our obsession with this rotting husk of a building (laughs) that <laughs> even the city doesn't know what to do with. They're like, we don't know. We're just spending millions of dollars trying to put things back in order because it's a historic place and we have to. <laughs> like, and- yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But your video was one of the key things that helped to sort of like revitalize some of that conversation, which is so interesting to me that it's like, oh, okay, cool. Like this goes on YouTube and somebody happens to see it by word of mouth and Hey, did you know that this happened? Like, it's so strange. You see, so. you just don't think about that stuff. It as a, I was just doing it just because I wanted to show the fans what's going on. <laughs> right, right. And that was, to me was like what was wild was when we did the episode. When I did the episode on that, I did also because uh, the some of the guys from the LA Ghostbusters had gotten in the firehouse and got photos all the way to the third floor, and I was yeah. like. I don't know if somebody's going to see these and contact the city and be like, why are there people on the third floor of the firehouse? <laughs> Just Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. good on you for getting in there. Cause I honestly, I wonder how much, if it's going to remain, it's already not easy, but I don't even know if it's going to remain that easy, honestly. Cause I think yeah. there's becoming a political 
uh, uh honestly like situation you know so yeah that is that is more than likely the the first and only time i will be there and i'm fine with that and so yeah. uh i'm i'm happy that i was able to do it and i really hope they preserve the building and make it a productive piece in the in the community and i i really wish the best for that community of uh, skid row and yeah i I really i really do hope uh everything is copacetic there in the near future yeah i mean it's a it's a rough situation no doubt and by no means am i making light of that you know i think no yeah um, I don't know that she needed to bring a gun. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> when she said, when she, I know she was joking about that, but when she said that was like, uh, I know it was bad, but holy crap, is it really that bad? I, I mean, I mean it, it is, but it's just like, wow. It's just, bad, but the arts district is around the corner because it's an ongoing process of gentrification, which is probably why you right. don't need to bring your gun. Right. <laughs> And there was a market like on this on that little side street there too. So, you know, I, I just I also to, who who is walking around with concealed carried guns in Los Angeles? <laughs> That's not a thing. I know, but yeah, when she said that and was like telling me, I really got like intimidated and was like second guessing myself. That's <laughs> kind of hilarious if you like yeah. reached in your coat and you yeah, pulled out like, a PKE meter and you're like, don't worry, I've got it covered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's it's gonna be okay. I'm out here for yeah. uh, for a paranormal investigation. I'm familiar with this location. I'm well aware the neighborhood is a demilitarized zone. It's gonna be fine. <laughs> Just... <laughs> I am oh. a professional. But I so that's what's funny to me is that you've made it there. I haven't, and you live like on the other side of the country, right? You are, you are yeah, mid Atlantic. Is that correct? So you're you're off in the Mid Atlantic states. Yeah, I'm in. Uh, I live around Baltimore. Yeah. Gotcha. I think that like getting in the firehouse is still one of my like epic gets. I want to get in there. I I to be fair, I really want to get in the whole building just like so in one. I want to know what it's like to be at Jason Reitman's 11th birthday party or whatever and tell people <laughs> that he man should have come because that's a third floor. So you got to yeah. get up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, I I've talked about this two weeks ago that there's been all these stories I've heard over the years about a hallway in the basement. that's like a long hallway that has a metal door that at some point just was used as a firing range. And so allegedly there's like a room under the firehouse that's just got been riddled with bullet holes from cops or like allegedly cops allegedly maybe not cops but just use the downstairs of the firehouse as a place to test ordinances i don't know so i didn't know I that i want to see if it's true but <laughs> yeah that'd be wild know. that'd yeah. be wild to see i mean but i mean i just i think it would be amazing to see the building and then i don't know i think that if you if you ever got in there and you had a chance to do the whole building again and like do a 40 minute video you, oh, I would absolutely to? do that. Yeah, yeah, I would actually. I I would do that in a heartbeat uh if I was given that opportunity, but um you know, I I know Adam the Woo this YouTuber did it like several years ago. Yeah. And he was able to go inside and yep. look around. And his video and was like one of the only ones that was like that exactly. Well like, "Hey, how did you get in here and who did you pay off?" Like- yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you know, I was going into that expecting, you know, hopefully I was expecting maybe the lockers and stuff would still be up, 
Yeah. But I wasn't expecting it to be like completely gutted that yeah, the way good. it was. But I the mean, rumor I was, is all that stuff is somewhere. Exactly. Because so, they have to preserve it and bring it back and, you know, yeah. uh, use the original stuff. And I've said for years that like if they hadn't put it in boxes somewhere, it would have ended up on eBay. Like yeah. we would all we would all know. Like if, if oh, they yeah. hadn't saved that stuff, every single one of us weirdos who collect and love Ghostbusters so much, we would all know because we would all been like, are these tiles on eBay real? I was about <laughs> to say, like, do you know how much money they could make to just the, off the tiles themselves? It, that would be incredible. I mean, if for some reason they don't put the building back together, I mean, I want them to. But if they don't and the city doesn't take that as an opportunity to be like a hundred dollars, you get a green one and you get a white one. <laughs> I'm all for it. <laughs> we put them on a plaque for you and uh, they come with a little Moogly logo. We worked out with Sony, but they didn't even have to they do don't... that. They could just sell it like the, the historic. I'm like, by no means, some people out there right now are listening to me say this like, dude, what are you? T- don't give anybody ideas. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but at the point that like if they were had turned around and they'd said, and maybe this is a better way to put it. If they had said they couldn't have seismically stabilized the building and they had no choice but to raise it. Right. Um, yeah. that would have been a thing if I were working in, like the historic, like whatever you want to call it, like the historic district and partner up between like the city, between the museum departments and put together like exhibits and take sections of the walls and then take the rest of it and do it like a fundraiser. Like, well, you know, yeah, uh, as, as, as Ghostbuster fans and fundraising, it goes hand in hand. So why not do that and support the people of Skid Row? Yeah. You know? Yep. So do something. But, and again, I don't want to give anybody too many great ideas. No, yeah. <laughs> I want that building back together, damn it. No, yeah, definitely. But even Me if you do turn it into an H&M and I have to go there and shop for underwear just to see it. <laughs> no, <I'm> just, <laughs> but I hope, I honestly. They I hope should turn it into idea, a Starbucks. <laughs> that would be funny. If like <laughs> that firehouse gets turned into a Starbucks. Yeah. The one in New York remains a firehouse. Right. Kind of amusing. Um, yeah. I, I could be I could be up for that, but I I also don't think a Starbucks would do well there. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> not in its current situation. No. Uh, moving a Starbucks there would provide one thing: an easy, accessible bathroom to the neighborhood. <laughs> That's yep. essentially what a Starbucks is for in Los Angeles. <laughs> Where's it's, the free It's bathroom? totally true. Right. <laughs> Some, the uh, shout out to the guys in the containment unit who were on recently and talked about this particular dilemma of traveling around Southern California and going, there's just no public bathrooms. Like there's no, I was like Starbucks. <laughs> that's, <Yeah. laughs> that's what it's for. <laughs> yeah. But it is kind of true. There aren't a lot of them. So, um, well, I'm really excited to that, you know, the new movies coming out. Um, can I assume that you are going to do everything in your power to try and be like wherever you can to document? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, I definitely would like to try to be at the premiere. I don't know, like the logistics. Uh, I don't know if like it's a invitation kind of thing or you just yeah. show up. So um, I, <laughs> I'm sure it's an invitation. If it's, we can all uh, just show up to the premiere. <laughs> well, I don't know. Like I, I saw uh, this uh, Ecta Cooler uh, Instagram. Uh, I forgot his name, but um, forgive me. But he was like literally outside of the gate of the premiere. And he had like a green suit on with an orange <laughs> tie and everything like that. And he was just desperately trying to get inside. And I think he did manage to get into one of the theaters of the premiere. So I don't know. Uh, 
but I, I definitely want to do it the proper way. I would love to go. Sony, yeah. if you're if you're listening, I, I would love to go. Jim, so would I. <laughs> you you could be my date and uh we can have a great time and drink our ecto coolers and hopefully they'll bring it back ecto coolers for that premiere as well. So yeah, I I would I would just again love to have the opportunity to document for the fans that aren't yeah. able to go to those events. So Yeah, and I I'm that, like, I think one thing I'm hopeful for is that like as Sony is going to do more apparently with the Ghostbusters license and like public attractions, amusement parks, et cetera, like, yeah. that that may give some more opportunity for you too to be like, hey, I'm going to go off and go to this, you know, amusement park where they've got three rides now as opposed to just like, oh, we got one thing at this park in the middle of Dubai. That's exactly <laughs> what I would love to do. I, I would love to do that kind of stuff. Again, I, I'm kind of working that that Disney vlogger yeah. angle. And just kind of be in the moment and just kind of showcase these this these items, these attractions and everything that Sony and this franchise is producing, the comic books and the new cartoon shows. There's so much more to talk about. And and again, the more people that are talking about it, it helps the franchise. And that's what, you know disney vloggers are doing and that's what star wars uh vloggers are doing yeah it 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 builds like a momentum and excitement for this brand and i love this brand so much that i want to help out any way i can and if the brand still keeps alive public interest will keep alive and thus would help the fundraiser for the uh franchise groups across the country and across the world so that's kind of the main goal of why I would love to keep on doing this, these type of vlogs. Well, I'm eager to see them. Um, and I will say that, like, I noticed that, like, during this sort of afterlife came out, you kind of had less of the vlogs because there was less to cover, not because it's like you didn't care. Right. <laughs> just, like, I mean, like, you were doing more got... Instagram work because you had less to cover. And then yeah. you also became a dad. <laughs> yeah. That, that was the main point. And I'm trying to get back into the stratosphere of doing a, a month. Uh, two vlogs a month kind of stuff and i have one in the wings that i'm working on right now actually see now what you have to do is you're going to make this pivot to being like ghost dad beacon (laughs) (laughs) it's like you document all through the eyes of my children (laughs) and see how their reaction is towards the franchise i mean that's but i definitely don't want to exploit them or anything like that but uh uh I mean, but like, yeah, we, we understand you had twins because you named them both Oscar and they have to work <laughs> in shifts, but <laughs> and somehow they're the Dusseldorf twins or what? <laughs> and they got the uh, the Winnie the Pooh onesies and everything. So <laughs> which, I, by the I, way, I did. I did have that onesie growing up, like that's even before even before Ghostbusters 2 came out, I have home video footage of me wearing that onesie. <laughs> in 1988 and i was just blown away by that that's funny yeah well that means that your kids have you know they have the uh tightrope walking um baby jeans that's what it yeah means. it's fine <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> if exactly. you find them you know slowly scaling walls or roofs don't be alarmed it's fine they're just <laughs> oscar playing oscar that's all it is it's the weirdest part of that movie it's just yeah, like, it really is the baby you, walking you, on a ledge by itself. Just. And you can clearly tell that it's being like hung by strings. <laughs> <laughs> the ledge. 
it's, it's like here's a baby in a stunt harness. Like I don't yeah. know if he's ever done that before. <laughs> kind of funny. But I am eager to see what you're coming out with next. Um, anything else you want to tell people about that you want to shout out to folks or plug? Uh, I just support the NYC firefighters and hook and ladder eight. Uh, make sure that you uh, keep in tune to what the Buffalo Ghostbusters are doing and what the GoFundMe they're they're going to be doing next year. And please support that. Uh, again, all these funds are going towards that firehouse and we need to give them our support as much as possible. Um, I love Ghostbusters Day. I love this movie, but uh, the real heroes are in that firehouse and we need to support them as much as possible. Because if we give more to them, they'll give back to us. And it's just yeah. this loving cycle. And I really can't wait for the next movie. It, um, You know, what Ernie Hudson said this past week hasn't really concerned me. Um, I think it helped being an extreme, an extreme Ghostbusters fan uh, because I've learned to adapt to a new team. Mm-hmm. And so this new team that we have now, I really want to get to know like right. Paul Rudd, Carrie Coon and see what they do as Ghostbusters. And uh, I, I really can't wait to see what this franchise is going to go to. I'm so stoked. And I mean, I'm excited because it sounds like, you know, the, talked about this. I'm talking about this in the news segment, but um, <clears throat> that Ernie Hudson sort of suggesting that this is going to set Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters off on a bigger or different path. I kind of like yeah, a different follows, direction. Yeah, like kind of like sets follows footsteps from the like um the line that Kumail Nanjiani had a while back about how it makes the world a lot bigger. So I'm kind of I'm excited. I'm like, what does that mean? Like, what is yeah. this new path? So yeah, we're gonna find out. But yeah, yeah, I'm interested too. I'm all in, and uh, you know, new stories, new villains, anything to keep this uh, engine going for this franchise. And make sure the comedy's there. <laughs> yes, that too, for sure. Well, thank you for so much for coming on. Um, I appreciate it. People should definitely go check out all your video content on YouTube at Ghost Beacon. Um, and they can, of course, find you on Instagram at Ghost Beacon. Um, anything where, where else are you? Are you on? Do you do Twitter? Uh, thread. Uh, thread. I just joined. <laughs> and uh, I am on Facebook, but I'm not as active as I am on uh, Instagram. So gotcha. I would, I would, uh, head on over to Instagram for most of my content. Have you heard my uh, concept of what's going to happen about threads and uh, Twitter? How that's going to No, I have not. <laughs> oh, Elon Musk and um, Mark Zuckerberg are going to have a knockdown drag out fight in the Italian Coliseum like they've been talking about. Um, okay. When they do, they're going to take each of their social networks and suspend them from a scaffolding in the middle of the Coliseum and they're going to leave one standard A-frame ladder on the ground. And it's just going to be like having to just like a money in the bank, like ladder match. <laughs> they have to see who can climb and get both of the social media networks down for themselves. That's, that's how we're going to resolve Twitter versus threads. And then we'll come up with a new social media network, but the new paradigm of social media, um, you know, battle will all be done apparently via MMA in Italian, um, historic, uh, settings. <laughs> <laughs> Document hey, that. <laughs> hey, I'll I'll be there. Just uh just send me where I should go. Just send me the address. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on, Phil. You're welcome. This is a lot of fun and hope to talk to you again soon. 
Yeah, Jim, thank you so much again for having me and you do a great job and I really appreciate you having me and inviting me to your show. Thank you. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, buddy. Take care. That about wraps things up for Extra Plasm this week. I want to say one final thank you to Phil Kessel, aka Ghost Beacon, for coming on the show and sharing insights and stories about his experiences documenting Ghostbusters events and visiting firehouses and just generally being an all-around awesome person in the Ghostbusters community. I also want to say thank you to Brendan Pierce of Baducci Studios, who provides our logo, and as well to uh, Magnavox, the vaporwave artist whose remix of Ghostbusters we use as a theme song each week. And of course, I want to say thank you to you for listening and for supporting the podcast. We're about a year into this at this point. We're like 41 episodes done at this at the end of this episode. And um, we know five to go until we get to 46. And if I'm not wrong, I think we might be right on track to land on 46 on the anniversary. So we'll see. Um, but I do want to say, you know, once again, thank you for listening. Thanks for supporting the podcast. If you want to help to spread the word about it, you can do so by sharing a positive review out on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're getting the show. If you want to reach out to comments on anything regarding what you've heard uh, or anything you want to share with the podcast, you can reach me at Extraplasm on Instagram or Twitter. We're not on threads yet, but we'll see. Uh, and you, of course, you can reach out via email at extraplasmpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. And remember, as Ernie Hudson says, try to have fun. And always keep on busting. Take care.